Hello, welcome to the Reality Daily Podcast. It's April 13th, and we're here to talk about the challenge, Total Madness Episode 2. And I'm here with two of my buddies. First off, News. News, how are you? I'm doing good, Wyatt. How are you? Doing great. Happy to have you here. Also, Andrew. Andrew, how are you? Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate y'all being here. Let's cut straight to the chase. You know, this was kind of a, uh, I feel like a pretty, like, uh, easy episode to predict uh, based on the events that transpired. But uh, Jen goes home. You know, first boot in Amazing Race, first boot on the challenge in terms of the women. Uh, she goes home. But the real drama was who is going to be the person that takes out Jen. Uh, so I want to get your initial thoughts, news. Uh, talk about the, the, the challenge as a whole and, and kind of like uh, what you remember Jen for. Uh, I remember Jen for being a layup. <laughs> to Jenny, I think uh, I think everyone was like uh, salivating at the chance to go against Jen in a challenge, in, uh, in an elimination challenge, and I think uh, in general, uh, Jenny really schooled her, uh, and uh, I think it was uh, a, a, a it was a, in general a rough episode for Jen. She got a really uh, she got really bad hazing to the challenge, and uh, hopefully, if she comes back in the future, uh, she does better. Yeah, uh, Andrew, what did you think of just the uh, kind of the demise of Jen over this episode? I thought it was comical, honestly speaking. I mean, it was obvious, um, but for such an obvious boot to be so comical for an hour and a hour and a half, I'm satisfied with the way it all happened. Um, we, everyone wanted to go on against Jen, uh, and poor Jen really didn't stand a chance in this at all, and. Every step of the way, she just kind of exposed herself more and more and more. And just to see all the things that ensued from this obvious boot who was going home to see, you know, just all the things that went down. I think it was not a waste of an episode to the to for for this boot for this specific boot. Yeah, it was it was really like a foregone conclusion. I believe I clicked uh, pause on my episode like right before it ended, like right before the elimination started. And I think it was like three minutes left, so I was like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> this is how it's gonna go." Um, but yeah, just just jumping into the actual elimination, like I kind of thought it was really shitty. Like it was like, uh, are we just gonna like push some uh, push some buckets like up? Like it it didn't even seem like uh, it didn't even make sense. It, it kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, the Muay Thai elimination from the ruins, but like a lot worse. Uh, so Andrew, what did you think of the the elimination as a whole? The elimination itself was poorly done. It was kind of just a waste, and it what made it really look like a waste. And like I'm glad this happened. So that the challenge sees these type of things happen and know not to do eliminations that are a waste like this. Is Jenny literally did the entire elimination with one hand in like two to three minutes. Um, like I literally blinked and the elimination was over. So like it, it was like I just watched it. I'm like, this is I don't get what you were trying to accomplish here. Now I gotta ask this. Do you think that like Jenny just came off like super strong, or uh, just because she is super strong, or do you think again it was because it was against uh, Jen that she came off looking like a beast? I I definitely think that there are women that would have done it just as fast as Jenny, but I don't think there's nearly as many women that would have been able to do it with one hand. Like those jugs didn't look super heavy, but I feel like they looked heavy enough that I feel like only maybe about a third of the girls in the house could have actually like done it with like one hand. And, you know, Tori, Anissa, uh, possibly the girls from Big Brother. Um, you know, that's probably it. I think everyone else is probably going to have to two. Oh, Maddie as well. I forgot about Maddie. But, like, everyone else probably has to two-hand that thing to, like, get it up. 
But uh, but yeah, I, like I said, like this elimination was very one-sided. So we'll, we'll hop into what was really the interesting part, and that is who was going to face Jen. And the idea around the Red Skull. Everyone wants the Red Skull. Everyone wants to go to elimination. So I'll go first to news. Were you surprised that Dee did not step into elimination when she was given the chance? I was extremely surprised. Uh, you know, when it comes to Dee, I think uh, one thing that she's done well over the past like, couple seasons is that, you know, she's built her legacy, right? Like in, her, in the first season, she was known as someone who was like, be- she was known as someone who was like, you know, uh, beating her fears and stuff like that. And then like, the second season, she was proving that she was not a layup. And, uh, you know, made some mistakes romantically. But uh, you know, besides that, she was proving herself more. This season, I think she could have really cemented herself as, uh, uh, you know, a challenge staple. Uh, maybe uh, some would say even a legend. I think this feud was building up uh, for D, And I think that uh, she, should have up, uh, she should have stepped up and, uh, you know, t- uh, took out Jen. I think it would, have been a, it would have been a pretty easy challenge for her. And uh, I think it was a hugely missed opportunity. Uh, Andrew, if you were in D's shoes, do you think that, like, and you saw, like, somebody was, like, an easy layup, do you think you would have stepped up without, like, having any time to really prepare mentally, or do you think that, uh, you know, you see the easy target, you need to go in there, you need to try to get that red skull? I mean, if I saw an easy target, like, and I knew, like, 100% sure I could probably just beat this person, then I probably would take the chance and risk it. I think the thing that I think is most noticeable and we're going to get to this later on, but I think D... At first, I agreed with D's decision not to go in, but after thinking about it more and more, I ended up disagreeing with it, and I think the one thing that made me realize why it was a bad decision was she was in so much conflict with who to send in. Had she just sent herself in, nobody would have been mad at her. She would have gotten a red skull, and her number one rival would be gone. Yeah, that's a great way to think about it, especially when you look at the challenge. Like, I granted, I don't think she knew exactly what the challenge was, because I don't think it's like one of these setups where you know it's going to happen. Whereas if you see like a giant ring, you know it's going to be physical or like hall brawl or something like that. So she might not know exactly what it was, but I think she probably could have assumed that it was going to have to do something with, you know, speed or agility or strength, all of which she's going to be better at than she anyway. So I think you make a great point, Andrew. Um I guess, like, this is something I was going to say until get it off your chest at the end. But my theory, I was thinking about the Red Skull earlier today. And, like, the Red Skull, like, yes, you get one, you go to the finals. But it's not a guarantee that you're not going to go in again. It's not like Invasion where you get, like, a pass to the Oasis and then you just sit there and wait. And you're, like, can't be touched for a certain amount of rounds. It's like you get the Red Skull and you literally could be sent in the next round. So if somebody wants to make a power move against Jenny, or they want to make a power move against, I guess, someone like Jay, uh, it's like they can do that, right? These people can still go into elimination. So if that's the case, then why are people so worried about getting a red skull so early, News? I think the biggest thing is that everyone's trying to, you know, avoid the big competition near the end when everyone's trying to, like, scrap and get, like, a red skull. I think in this case, especially when it was against, uh, you know, uh, Jen, I think, or like, you know, Big T or like, you know, some of these girls who necessarily aren't, you know, known to be beasts. I think the I think everyone's trying to get in there because that's like really the easiest way. Right. After that, it's pretty much, you know, uh, politicking a social game and all that stuff. But you're trying to avoid near the end, like going against, you know, on the men's side, you're trying to avoid going against CT or, like, you know, some of these or like Fessy, who's apparently a beast, according to the challenge players. Or Jordan or stuff like that, you know what I mean? So I think that's the, why everyone's fighting over it right now because they're trying to get the easy uh, challenges. Yeah, I'm so... going to push back on that a little bit if you don't mind, Wyatt. Go ahead. Um, I think 
you make a good point. There's, I think the one thing, I guess playing devil's advocate here, so I'm going to just take that role for right now. I think the one thing that makes me almost want to say it's stupid to push to go in so early out seen with Tori, for example, is the one thing is like, like White pointed out, this doesn't guarantee your safety. And two, you have to be able to beat those bigger players in the final anyways if you want to win. So I guess a part of me wonders, to what extent do you need to be pushing so hard that you ruin relationships with people if you don't go in early, that you need to push so hard to go in against some of these people? Or maybe it might just be better to let it happen when it happens and not ruin some of these relationships along the way. Because let's face it, you're going to see some of these people again in another season. That's true. I think there. So I think there's different aspects of what you're saying, though. I think the not being able to like push too hard and like you know not being able to be aware that you know playing it smart and like you know trying to persuade someone. I think that's a different thing than you know just wanting to get in there. I think there's I think you could there's definitely a way to get in there early, but at the same time, uh, you know, not ruin relationships. Uh, and I think that's what's I think the 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 key aspect there's not ruining relationships like you said. So I think uh, at the same time, either way, when you're trying to look at, you know, whether you want to go against people in the final or whether you want to take them out in a challenge, I think that's just de- depending on the person's preference. Some people are like are just like final beasts and like are able to win every single one. And some are just like some of them collapse when the, in the final. So I, I think it's just depending on the player at that point. Yeah, I, I see this as like a good opportunity for people to be able to develop relationships with people they they see to be in power and then if you can kind of be an asset for them to get into elimination early then not only are you staying in the game but when you eventually go in and then whether you go home or you win you make the final you have a good working boundary with a lot of people next season and that's the way i would spin it like obviously i would be a I'd be a rookie so i'd be targeted immediately but i would want to keep it in a position where i would like try my best to stay out so I can spend time mending and working on relationships and then eventually get thrown in somebody who's a little stronger. I like that better long-term uh, than trying to get, you know, go in early and try to get your red skull. Cause like I said, in the case of Jay, especially where it's like, Hey, let's throw this rookie in and he can get a red skull. I, I see a lot of people in the future being like, Hey, Jay is still, you know, 140 pounds soaking wet. I feel like I do pretty well against him if it's anything physical. Let me take my chances if I'm somebody that's like one of the massive like physical players. Yeah, um, I can agree on that. I think Jay's gonna have a tough time moving forward. I just think that the going in earlier, I think it benefits more of like the bigger players like CT or Bananas or West and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it definitely could. Which you know, speaking of West and Bananas, uh, they had a very interesting moment this episode. We didn't really get to talk too much about them. But they did have a moment where they were so kind and, and so sweet to help poor Jen with her speech. Uh, Andrew, what was your what was your take on the the speech that Jen had prepared by Wes and Banana? Oh my lord, poor Jen, uh, and not poor Jen at the same note. You can obviously tell Jen has never ever watched the challenge before because she gave that speech, which there was just so many things wrong with it the entire time. And then when Wes votes her in, she goes, "Oh well, he's a he's an a hole," and I'm just like. You didn't know this, which tells me you didn't watch the challenge beforehand. Um, that speech was quite funny, honestly speaking. And the fact that Jen fell for it hook, line, and sinker is even hilar- even more hilarious. Like, any person with the wherewithal or any little bit of common sense should know that any speech that starts off with, Hey, Earthlings, you're done for. Stop talking. 
Listen, I'll be honest. When it comes to that speech, I know we harped on her a lot last week, but Anissa, her reactions during that speech were really good. She was absolutely. She was. She. I'm. A, I'm a sucker for good reactions, and that was really funny. Yeah, I, I love the episode. The Hello Earthings sent me <laughs> to a different dimension. Uh, that that just absolutely like cracked me up just from the start. But uh, you know, listen, like she tried. Like she had a little fight in her. Unfortunately, it didn't get her a damn uh, place. <laughs> so she was. She was uh, cooked. Too bad she didn't have a little intelligence in her, but hey, I mean, we can we can only ask for so much. She was a dead man walking. I mean, she was just as dumb on Amazing Race, to be fair. Um, but uh, but yeah, she was she was done. Um, but I guess we'll go into some of the biggest conflicts of the episode. And that was Tori and Jordan trying to get D to put Tori in. Uh, news: How do you kind of rank the kind of like pros and cons of like throwing in Tori as opposed to throwing in Jenny? Um. I think it's better to throw in uh, Tori because you're not pissing off you're not pissing off uh, Jordan at the same time, so that's uh, you know, and you know just for mental health I think everyone who has been on the challenge can agree not having Jordan annoy you to death every single day it probably is a lot better than uh, than you know uh, than just like being driven insane by him. So I think uh, I think that's one of the biggest pros that's like unspoken of when it comes to throwing in Tori. Uh, but when it comes to Jenny, I think she's such a freak of nature, man. Like I think you should uh, just like leave her for uh, I guess later in the game where she has to go because maybe a tougher competition than uh, uh, than uh, Jen. And I think uh, or maybe even have her go against, or maybe even have her go against someone like Tori who would get a red skull early on. You know I think that's uh, I think it's more beneficial to throw in Tori, in my opinion at least. Uh, Andrew, give your take on that on that same uh, predicament. Um, yeah, this was not a good predicament for D to be in because Jordan, Jordan doesn't know the word forgiveness, and he's shown that season after season after season. Once you're on his list, it's really kind of just like you're done with you're done to him until you know he annoys you out of the game. So I'm sure we're going to see a lot of D and Jordan conference conflict moving forward as for who it would have been better to put in between tori and jenny i don't know because i can understand the strategic value of having a girl like jenny on your side but news brings up a very valid point of when you make tori mad you're not just making tori mad you're making jordan mad and an angry jordan is not something that anyone should want to or have to deal with to be fair i wouldn't want to deal with the happy jordan either like i wouldn't want that guy in my life period <laughs> either way he's i mean just, you're uh, right yeah. you're right but you don't want jordan after you all season either which is what's going to happen now listen man yeah. turbo from far away so summer turbo still yelling uh, chicken shit and stuff like <laughs> about uh, jordan yeah, yeah, man i'm so bummed he was on this season listen, listen next season needs to be some type of like uh, i know people are kind of tired of the duo seasons and stuff but you know listen you gotta put Turbo and Jordan on a team now. You got to. I'm sorry. It's like Dude, you have to do it. Like I think that might that would that would end up in a fist fight between Jordan and, and Turbo. I know Dude. exactly. That's why you do it. Like uh, you know, listen. Yeah, like, I, mean, I feel like you know, make a season, have some OP duos, have them too. I don't necessarily know if you put John, uh, Bananas and, and West together since they're aligned now, but I think you could put like West with Bear. I think you could put like Nelson with Bananas. I don't know where the conflict's going to go this, this season. Maybe Corey and, and Bananas. Um, 
or even Devin and Bananas, I suppose, since that was originally supposed to be the duo in, in, in Rivals, um, Rivals uh, 3. Oh, like Rivals? Yeah, Final Reckoning. Yeah. Fessy and like entertaining those two are Rivals. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Thank um, you. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I think that would be really interesting if they did something like that. But yeah, I, I just want to see Turbo back in my screen. I'm sorry I was on that tangent, but I miss him. Anyway, so let's go to the challenge. Challenge, they divided uh, trios random. Uh, and they had to like basically just run with these like, uh, you know, pieces. I guess they were like, uh, really technically, they were like uh, military, like uh um, storage containers. I don't know exactly what they were, but they had to carry those, and then they had to the top three does and get to throw them off a helicopter. I hated this challenge. I don't know about y'all. I hated the fact that they could have two women on the same team as a man, or two men and one woman. Uh, and I think all three of the teams, if I'm correct, I think all three of the teams were two men and a, and, and a woman, which I think kind of speaks volumes on these kind of things. Uh, I, I just don't think you should do trios if they're going to be gender imbalances. I, I think that's just not fair, quite frankly, especially in a challenge like this. Um, so I think that was kind of silly. But in the end, Corey D and Swaggy C win. Uh, we'll go to news first. News, what was your overall thought on the challenge? Uh, I'm right there with you. I thought the challenge was uh, pretty boring to watch. Um, I will say, though, my man Josh, he is out there. He's flexing on all, y'all, holding up two of those uh, two of those boxes all by himself. Well, to be fair, though, Jen was, like, holding <laughs> with the, the little pinky, the back of him with a little pinky, you know, touching him and stuff like that. So maybe that kind of helped him out. Uh, but, uh, yeah, my man Josh is really proving it. Uh, besides that, though, my biggest gripe with the challenge was not for the first part, but for the second part when it comes to the helicopter. What the hell was the point of that target on the platform? If they're not even gonna, they're not even gonna account for the target. They were just like, oh yeah, hit the platform, it counts. And I was like, well, what's the point of the target at that point? Anyway. Also, we didn't need nine of them. Like, you didn't have to take nine shots. Like, you literally could have took like, <laughs> like two or three, or maybe even one. Like, hey, one and done. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just feel like that just took up, that just took up uh, a lot of time on the screen. Uh, what about you, Andrew? What did you think of the challenge as a whole? I mean, I didn't like it because my biggest problem was, like, two things. Like, one, the amount of just them running back and forth. A challenge where you're just running back and forth is never an interesting challenge. Ever. Um, And, like, running back and forth and carrying things. And the second thing that bothered me about the challenge, why I already brought up, is I always have a problem when they do challenges with gender imbalances and involve things like carrying heavy crates. Um. Yes, because Jen is going to be so helpful to Josh. And I, I forgot who Josh was a team with. Um, Jen's going to be so helpful to carry those crates that probably weigh as much as she does. Yeah, it's it's just uh, it just sucks. Like to be quite frank, it was just really bad. Um, but you know, as we said earlier, the winners Corey D, Swaggy C. I kind of think Swaggy C is in a really strong position with Bailey now, and potentially the other Big Brother people too. Well, I think like getting in a position of power this early, kind of getting with Corey, who was always kind of like, I guess, like kind of the anti-establishment when it comes to challenge. You know, he wasn't necessarily going after uh, um, new people uh, every single season. Like he wasn't the bananas and West going the easy route. You know, he was somebody that was friends with Nelson and Hunter early on. So, you know, I think they're starting to kind of build a little bit of, uh, you know, strength and numbers around them. So I do think that Swaggy C uh, and, and potentially Fessy and Bailey and, I, and potentially Casey as well. You know, it's hard to see because, you know, she's kind of getting the purple edit right now. But they seem to be doing a lot better than I thought they would at coming in as rookies. Uh, what, what is your thoughts on that, Andrew? Like Swaggy C being able to, you know, kind of ingratiate himself within the group? I think 
Corey is the perfect person to go to. If you're a rookie and you see Corey on the season, he's the first person you probably need to talk to. And like, if you're in power and you can help him out, you should, or, you know, make a tie with him. You should. So I think that was a really good, smart move. Um, these big brother rookies are giving me hope that some of the, that, you know, rookies might actually do okay on the season. And I think, I think Fessy could hold his own in a purgatory. Um, Swaggy C, it depends on who he ends up against. Because some of these guys, I see them wrecking him. But there's some of these guys who I think he could do okay with, depending on what the challenge is. And then I think Bailey could be okay with some of these girls. So there's a little bit of hope for this this group of rookies right now. So um, I think this episode was a good insight of how it could go for the rookies if they keep playing the way they've been playing. Yeah, certainly when you look at somebody like Fessy and, and Swaggy and Bailey and Casey, they're certainly going to be a little bit more intimidating to go after than, say, Natalie and Jose and Davon and, and Polly. Right. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, Polly did his thing. Like, he's made finals. Natalie, too. Uh, Davon was, was a lot better than I expected. But it's like those four as a whole, you're just not intimidated by them, right? So maybe this group will be a little harder to go after. Um, moving on, Bear. You know, he mentioned something in the episodes about, uh, you know, Kayla. She looks so good. She gave me a little wink. I definitely think that we're going to be seeing that relationship kind of blossom in the near future. Uh, news, uh, what episode do you think that we'll get uh, the, the, the first hookup between Bear and uh, Kay Kayla? Uh, we're running out, what, episode two? Uh, I'll give it uh, episode three that uh, they actually hook up. Yeah, I, I definitely think probably episode four or five is, is what we're looking at. Um, so let's go on to Rogan uh, in his flirting ways. Uh, Andrew, are you surprised that uh, that Rogan is kind of out there being a little bit of a man whore? No, I feel like that's the thing we're going to get from Rogan now on. And to be perfectly honest, I haven't ever really been too high on Rogan. And this isn't really helping him. And I'm also noticing that he has a thing for Asian women, too, like consistently. Um, and I, I thought it was a coincidence, but I'm starting to think it's really not a coincidence at this point. So, like, I don't know. But if Rogan's strategy is going to be to flirt with women to get far in games, like, one, I think he picked the wrong one with D because D seems pretty bitter about it. And it's going to make and D did exactly what she was supposed to do and pretty much blocked that one. So good for her. Um, it's not a sustainable strategy because every guy, every guy who has played the game with the concept of flirting with women have come back to have it haunt them. Corey used to do that. It came back and it got him. I think Kyle used to do that. It came back and it got him. So, like, there's a habit of these women coming back angry when you keep flirting with everyone. Yeah, you know, it's a big it's a big reason that they have these, like, rules and offices, right? They say, hey, like, you cannot hook up with people that are, like, working in the same business as you. And it kind of should be that way in the challenge. And granted, it's, it's tough to do, Um because, uh, you know, you kind of are in a closed environment where you don't have anything but each other. Uh, so I definitely get how you could gravitate to somebody. But especially in a show like The Challenge, like forget Big Brother or Survivor, where you'll probably never play with the same people again. But on The Challenge, you're going to see two-thirds of this cast again. And if you don't see two-thirds of this cast again, it's because your ass wasn't invited. <laughs> so like, if you're Rogan, <laughs> if, if it's Rogan, like, you got to make sure that you, like, uh, are not uh, – if you are flirting and hooking up with women, you got to make sure that these relationships are still positive. They're at least friendly. And, you know, you can't – you can't be sticking it in some some crazy uh, biatch on D who's going to try to cock block you like she said. 
Um, but yeah, so like this also kind of went away from Rogan and kind of went into a D and Jen relationship. News, why do you think that D was upset with Jen? Uh, I mean, it's really complicated. She's uh, she's uh, bitter about what happened with Rogan, and Rogan is uh, Jen is uh, Rogan's uh, rebound girl. So I think it's pretty. <clears throat> Wrong answer. The correct answer is D is D is unsatisfied with her looks because she knows that she is a fucking five in comparison to Jen, and uh, she's jealous that Rogan has traded up. That is the correct answer. News. Okay, I mean, whatever you want to say, I will say the one thing: it's Jen did exactly what she was supposed to do because you even said it yourself on the last podcast. You wanted her to be the block for Rogan, and she lived up to exactly what she was supposed to do. And I am perfectly glad. For whatever reason D may have had, I hope that any season Rogan is on, D is on. And I hope that any season Rogan is on, that he tries to flirt, D is right there to stop him immediately. Because I think that would be hilarious. Hey, Man, I'm, I'm not against entertainment, right? Like, cock block him, do whatever. I like D. I think she's great in the confessional. I think she's great in the challenge. I like her on my screen. But it doesn't change the fact that just when you look at how she treated Jen this episode, it was clearly jealousy. And it was just women going after women for the sake of, like, whatever. Instead of putting your hostility towards Rogan, who's, like, the person that you're betrayed by, you put yourself, uh, you know, towards uh, the hostility towards another female because you feel insecure with your looks compared to hers. And I don't like that. And let me just say this. Uh... Uh, when it comes to Rogan, I think it's kind of t- like I'm not against the whole entire hooking up thing and stuff like that. I actually find it entertaining. I think it depends on the the pairing, right? When it comes to like you know Bear and stuff like that, they're honest about it. They they're honest about. It. They say we're we're boy toys, right? When it comes to Rogan, like you know Polly, even they come off so fake when they, in these relationships, and they come off such like and it and it just becomes so ingenuous, you know what I mean? That you just kind of dislike them. They become slimy in a way. That's why it was when you watch Bear, you're like you find him funny and entertaining. But when you watch Rogan, you're like, please just get this guy off the screen. Yeah. I, absolutely. I, I think Rogan is like a good character, but he also has that very like hateable quality. Like I don't see Rogan as the guy that I hate so much that I can't stand him to be on my screen, but he is a guy that like I dislike enough that like like I would love to see his kind of comeuppance, right, in the way that Andrew says, whether that's in the game or like D going after him or whatever. I want to see him kind of get the short end of the stick, but I still like him. I still want him to be back next season, as opposed to somebody like Jordan who like I, I literally never want to see again. <laughs> but uh, but uh, let me ask you this though, so, uh, Wyatt, uh, do you think uh, Rogan and like you know Paul? I know Polly does it on purpose, but do you think Rogan like plays it up a lot, like the slimy attitude and stuff like that, or do you think he's just like that naturally? Absolutely, I, d- I definitely think he plays it up because remember this guy came from Excellent Beach, right? Like that was his original show, a show that is you know as, you know essentially very slimy, right? Where it's like, hey, you're hooking up with this new fling, and then your ex fling comes, and that thing gets complicated or whatever. And he was a big star on that show um, to to the point that I think a lot of people were shocked that he didn't get a call for the challenge uh, immediately after Vendettas. Um, and it, you know. They thought it would uh, didn't, wouldn't take three or four seasons for it to happen. Um, so, yeah, I think he knows that that is entertainment. I think he knows that that gets producers good. And I also think he's a bit of a horn dog himself and really just likes to fuck women. And uh, and he obviously has the, the physical appeal to a lot of women, uh, especially Asian women, apparently, that uh, they like his demeanor. So I, th- I think it probably is truly him. But I also think he kind of like is a little hyperbolic with it as well. But yeah, so let's move on to the end here. Let's talk about next week. Next week, on the trailer, I did see this. On the trailer, D is kissing. He's, she's making out with somebody. All I see is a little bandana. 
I'm going to go to both of you. I'll go to Andrew first. Andrew, who's your guess for who she's making out with? Oh, I didn't even pay attention to the trailer. I didn't know she was making out with someone. Um, did we see a skin tone? Do we see anything else? Like, because that would I'm pretty sense. sure it's a white guy. I'm pretty sure it's a white guy. I'm not positive, but I think it's a white guy. Oh, please don't be Kyle. Oh, please don't be Kyle. Oh, oh, it might be Kyle. All right, News, what do you think? Uh, I think Jay, maybe. Especially with the bandana and stuff like that. Because Jay might... Uh... Well, that's never Jay wears a beanie, but you know she, uh, you know, D preseason and even on confessionals and stuff like she was saying that she really uh, she, there's something with Jay that she likes, so uh, you know maybe she went for it. Yeah, I definitely think that's where it's gonna go. I thought Kyle initially to Andrew when I saw the clip, but then I was like, I don't know, like Kyle and D, they don't really seem like they're very like a hookup, you know, type or whatever. But and then she did mention that in episode one, and we didn't see anything in episode one or two, so I'm thinking it's gonna be Jay, which you know that may not necessarily be the right way if you're Jay, because you might end up just like Jen, <laughs> like you may be the target of Rogan and all of his uh, his um, fury. So. With that being said, we're about done here. We're going to go around and we're going to say, get it off your chest. This is the topic that you want to say. You didn't get a chance to say on the podcast or something you've been thinking. We'll go to Andrew first. Andrew, what do you want to get off your chest about the challenge? So what I want to get off the chest about the challenge right now is we have been in, was this, two episodes in, and I didn't know Jenna was on the, I went to the Wikipedia page. So I, like... Like, completely did not realize Jenna was in this game at all. So I don't know if this is me not paying attention or she has a purple edit and I'm just not, like, and she's just not getting airtime or what's up with that. But that's what I wanted to just throw out there. Yeah, we we did talk about her briefly last week because they did show the alliance between her, uh, Kayla, and Nani. Uh, I don't forget exactly what they called it now, but it was like some like religious kind of like play on words where they were like 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 chaplains or whatever. But yeah, she she certainly had no confessionals this episode. A couple people had no confessionals. I know Maddie didn't have any confessionals. Um, trying to think of who else didn't. I don't know if uh, did did Jay have a confessional? Think- I don't know, and I, I'm going to also add on to that. I also didn't realize Nelson was in this season either, now <laughs> yeah. that I'm looking at the cast layers. Yeah, like, it, I knew he was on the cast, but it did kind of catch me off guard when I saw him sitting beside Wes and Bananas while they were writing the speech. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right, you're here, too. I forgot. All right, News, you got something you want to get off your chest? Uh, yeah, you know, preseason, uh, everyone was raving about how much they love Casey and how much, you know, she's hot and, like, stuff like that. Man, where is Casey? Like, I, 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 apparently she's like the coolest chick out there. Could we just get like some like clips of her like hanging out or something like that? If if she is like supposed to be like this like amazing person and stuff like that. So uh, you know, I wish we got to see more Casey uh, in general. I wish we got to see more. Uh, we got to see other people. And uh, yeah, besides that, get one more thing getting off my chest. Uh, Wes's beard, awful. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, for one, like Wes's beard, but that's only because it kind of is a little bit more bushy than mine is. But I feel like if I let mine grow out, I feel like I would definitely have the Wes. And uh, maybe I'm a little bit biased in that regard. I actually think the beard suits him kind of. So I'm, I'm Y'all are on with track. It, it, makes him look, track. it makes him look more competitive, I think. Like, he always looked a little weird uh, in terms of, like, from a physical perspective. Like, he doesn't look super strong or anything. With just a he, ginger he face that looks... gets real red. Dude, he kind of looks, looks like a lumberjack homeless. now. He, he looks, looks like a lumberjack. He, he looks like a lumberjack. He does look like a lumberjack. I, I, I support, honestly. Lumberjacks are tough, man. I don't know, man. I don't know what you guys see. Uh, he, he looks uh, he looks really weird. 
All right. Let me get off my chest with Caesar. Can we bring back the cutthroat anonymous vote or the final wrecking anonymous vote or at least for you know a certain uh, period of the game it, it was anonymous? Like I just think that it's so easy for someone like Jay to go in as a rookie because like so many people like uh you know lay on him or ace off in the first episode or Jen in this episode you know maybe if you had a little bit of like a secret behind your vote maybe we'd say a little bit more big moves earlier and maybe that's not what they want as a production uh crew but. As, as a fan, I kind of think I want to see a little bit more chaos early on in the game, and I think that's the way we need to go, is, is have these votes be casted in secret. Um, Actually, I'm, with you, I'm kind of with you there, but instead of that, that to cut through, I want to see free agents where, like, the luck. With the, I think that added a lot more fun to the game, and I think it would be a lot more fun in this game as well. Yeah, I like that, but I also think that can only they should only be doing that every other season, or, like, every three or four seasons, like, kind of a luck element to it. It's been, like, eight seasons. That? Yeah, what was the other? Yeah, but didn't they have another season that was that was similar to? to, Yeah, Dirty Thirty was in in a similar vein where it was like, hey, one person gets the power, and then they get to decide who goes in. So I I do more tribunals. Yeah, I rather listen. I'll go with anything. I'll go for an America's vote before I go for another tribunal in terms of being in power. <laughs> Which, speaking of, like, I, this is kind of off topic at the end here, but I think, especially with the COVID-19 stuff, you know, this is around the time they start prepping season 36, and people are starting to kind of, like, you know, the, the spoilers are kind of coming in in terms of who's going to be on next season, yada, yada. With COVID-19, I think that they're going to push this back. We may be without the challenge for a long time, but what I think would be interesting is if they did a challenge where they did similar to like a Big Brother where it was kind of like airing, you know, next day or day of, you know, obviously they'd have to have, uh, you know, more episodes than one a week. But I kind of think that that would be really interesting is if they would do something like that where, you know, you kind of got to see the season play out like in real time. I think that would be really fun. But uh, that's for another time. Uh, thank you for joining us from Reality Daily. The rest of this week, it looks like we're going to be talking about Bash, Listen to Your Heart. We're going to be talking about Quibi. Uh, we're going to be talking about, um, I think we might even be previewing the Sequester. I know we talked about Sequester last Friday with, with Tyler, uh, but Sequester is doing a game this upcoming Friday, the 17th, I believe. Uh, BBUS cast members against BBCAN cast members. So we'll probably talk about that. We're also going to recap Australian Survivor All-Stars. We finally finished that, and we're going to get that out to you guys uh, in a couple of days. So thank you, Andrew and News, for being on, and we'll talk to you guys later. Bye.